For some of you this morning, you heard the good news that you could have a relationship with Jesus Christ, with God. You accepted the good news that God himself paid your sin penalty. Maybe you don't understand much more than that. You don't understand how it works. You don't really understand. If I were to use the word doctrine, you'd say, I don't know much doctrine. But you say, but I do know this. I know I'm saved. For some others of you here this morning, you would say, you know, I have studied. I know doctrine. I'm comfortable with doctrine. And yet, as you think in your heart, you'd have to say this morning, but I really don't use doctrine much. In the book of Ephesians, Paul is giving us doctrine. When we use that word, often people's eyes glaze over and they say, well, that, I'm not really interested in that. Give me something practical here this morning, preacher. But the reality is, Paul began with doctrine and then he moves to how to apply that doctrine. You see, why it's so important is what you believe affects the way you behave. And until you believe something, you may know it. You see, I'm familiar with that. But it doesn't really impact the way that you live. Now, I've shown you before, but I have some very important cards in my billfold. I have a card that allows me to walk into Dairy Queen and say, I would like one of those. And they say, oh, you are a card holder. And they just give me my food. It's the most amazing thing in the world. It's not that they know me, but they know my card. And I can go in, and they have all these wonderful things on the board. And I can have anything I want. And I just use my card. Now, that sounds pretty good if you're not trying to keep from gaining weight after Christmas. But I also have a card like this. Now, this can be used anywhere. You don't have to eat things that are going to make you gain weight with this card. But I'm going to show you one other card, which is kind of interesting, because... I have a card like this, and my son Zach has a card like this. And what's interesting is, we will often walk into a place, and Zach will say, Dad, let me get this. <laughs> we'll go to Walmart. He'll go, Dad, I can, I, can, I can get this for you. You go ahead. You can bag stuff, and I'll pay for it. We've gone into restaurants. He's taken his mom out to eat. And we'll say, Mom, I'll get this. <laughs> now, why are you laughing? Because you know who stands behind this, don't you? You see, often, I can't be with Zach. And he's going to need something and so I have given him a card that really has nothing to do with his resources. It has everything to do 
with my resources. Now today, we are going to be looking at a section of Scripture. And in a little bit, you'll understand why I took time to talk about my wonderful DQ card and what we would often call a credit card. The letter to Ephesians begins with an explanation of facts. So if you'd look at chapter 1 with me, I'm just going to quickly fly over that. But I want to remind you of something because we've gone through Christmas. We've talked about other things, and I don't want you to forget the truths. The letter of Ephesians begins with an explanation of facts. In chapter 1, we learn who we are and the incredible resources we have. Now, you see, this morning, other than my wife, the only other one in here that has a card that's connected to that account is Zach. And do you know why? Because he is mine. That relationship gives him an incredible amount of resource available when he's out. Now, it's not the incredible amount of resources that we're going to talk about this morning in Ephesians, but it's incredibly more than what he would have. Now, in Ephesians, we're going to talk about the incredible resources that we have. What are they? Believers and Christians are now at peace with God and have his grace. I'm going to slow that statement down because I'm afraid I just use church terms and everyone just let them fly by. We have peace with God this morning. We were enemies with God. We were at war with God. While we were yet sinning. What's that tell us? We were at, another term is enmity. We were enemies with God. And today, if you have received Jesus Christ as your Savior, there's no more war. I don't know that that thought sinks in like it should in my heart. Today, I have God's grace. And today, if you've received Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have God's grace. What is God's grace? God's grace, grace is God's unlimited resources... That is what God can do for us that we could never do. We don't have the resources. Something else that we have, God blessed his people with incredible spiritual resources through Jesus Christ. Chapter 1 also tells us that God lovingly planned and prepared for you to be able to live holy and without blame. Now that one we probably are already beginning to choke on. God has made it available for you to live holy and without blame. That's verse 4. God lovingly planned, pre-planned, that we will reach maturity as believers. God planned all kinds of nationalities and people groups to become one group. Wow. We don't see that in our society today. God planned that we would bring praise to Him. 
God planned to place the Holy Spirit into the life of each believer so to empower each one for all they, were ever, they would ever need. And at the end of chapter 1, when we studied this together, Paul prays. Do you know why Paul prayed at that point? Because Paul was praying, saying, please help them to understand what they've been given. That tells us one we often don't think about. We often don't understand what God has given to us. Second of all, it told Paul he couldn't make the people get this. Only God was going to be able to impress on the hearts. And so Paul would teach the information, the doctrine. And then Paul asked God to help them understand. If you went to chapter 2, then he, he breaks from that prayer. And in chapter 2, he reminds them of certain things. Because you see, sometimes we get to where when we have, we begin to look down on those who don't have. We begin to become proud. We begin to have a wrong attitude in our life. And so Paul, in chapter 2, he says, and you, and then he puts in that parenthesis, hath he quickened, those of you who are alive, those of you who are believers, you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. He reminds them that they were dead he reminds them that they were only saved by grace. He reminds them that it was God's gift of grace that saved you. It had nothing to do with your works. He reminded them, you were an alien. You were an outsider. You weren't the in crowd. You were the out crowd. He reminds them that God broke down the divisions between peoples through Jesus Christ and made all believers one today if you've received Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are part of the group. And it doesn't matter what your background was. It doesn't matter your financial background. It doesn't matter your nationality. It doesn't matter your IQ. God made all one in Christ. You see, I was an outsider. Paul reminds them, now you have access directly to God through the Holy Spirit. And I've told you all that because look at the beginning of chapter 3. He begins by saying, for this cause. If we don't pause and remember what the cause is, what was the reason, then we miss the point that we're going to be studying this morning. In chapter, in chapter 3, verse 1, he says, for this cause, and then you remember... He goes into this long sentence that covers verses 2 through 13. And that's the reason why we kind of wonder, because he's kinda, he kind of takes a rabbit trail. It's a spiritual rabbit trail. It's an intentional rabbit trail that God wanted us to know. But he takes a rabbit trail, and then we come to verse 14 again, and you notice that same phrase again? For this cause. He says, for this cause, and now we see he's going to pray again. You notice many of the songs we sang this morning were about prayer. Prayer is an important part of our life. And Paul now says, now this is the reason why I'm praying. He says, for this cause, 
Because of, the, because of these facts, because of these doctrines, I'm going to pray for you. The first time he prayed that they would understand. If I, even, if I lose you from this point on, I'm at least give you one sentence that you can walk away with and you can go back and say, okay, I understand what this text is. He prays in chapter one that they would understand. Two, in, in chapter three, he says, I'm praying that you would use this information. These are the two things. So if, if you check out from this point on, you can at least walk away and say, okay, I get it. Chapters one through three, he's gonna give me doctrine, which tells me how to believe so that then when we hit this practical section, you've all just been chomping at the bits at you. Going on. I'm looking forward to chapter four because it's all practical, 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 practical. The reason why we fail in our practical sections of scripture is because we don't understand the doctrine. We don't believe the doctrine. You say, I do too believe the doctrine. Well. What you believe affects how you behave. If you're not behaving according to the doctrine, what do we know? You don't, you don't believe it. You say, you can't say that. I just did. You say, well, you, you can't say for certain that that's true. You're going to have to go home and wrestle with that. If you really believe what you say you believe, then why don't you act based on what your beliefs would lead you to do? And I tell you that this morning because, you see, now there's hope. When you see the truth, now you can act on that truth. When you see truth and you go, oh, I've known these doctrines, but I haven't bought into them. I've not been living by them. We can choose to live by the doctrines, and when we choose to believe the doctrines, it will, it will affect how we behave. And that's the joy of Christianity. We can change. Remember? Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? How can anybody cleanse their way? I'm quoting from Psalm 119. By taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart. Why? So that I don't sin. What happens? The doctrine dictates how I act. What I believe dictates how I behave. And so Paul says, I pray, Father, that they would understand. And now we come to this really fun section of Scripture today. I pray that they would put into practice what they know. Omnipotence. Omni, meaning all, and potent, meaning powerful. Omnipotence means to have all power. And if someone is impotent, it means they have no power. The title for the sermon today comes from a commentary that I read. And in a sentence, the man makes this statement. Omnipotence in impotence. Omnipotence in impotence. And that for me caused me to kind of back up and think about I have omnipotence in an impotent body. And if you come in and you say, I struggle, I just can't seem to get victory, I just can't, you're, you're, you're exhibit A for impotence. But what Paul wanted us to know today is we have omnipotence 
in impotence. We have God's power in weak bodies. And that tells us something this morning. We can live differently because of what God has done and because of who we now are. Expressing, today we're going to look at three different things. We're going to look at three things to remember. We're going to look at three applications of this text. First of all, Paul's going to say, remember your father. Remember your father. And it's going to show when we pray, we express dependence. When we pray, we express dependence. Look with me at verses 14 and 15. For this cause... I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. I'm going to pause there for just a moment. Paul begins by saying, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father. This week our family has been, in our family devotions, we've been studying the book of Romans. And... Chapter 1 is really clear that when a person refuses, they have the truth, they hold the truth in unrighteousness. When they refuse to acknowledge that truth and to act on that truth, something begins to change in them. Because you see, every decision we make always has a consequence or always has a benefit. There are no neutral things. Now, some of them we would say, well, I don't really see anything in that, and it's because maybe it's a minor thing. In this one, when we refuse to acknowledge God, though we know the truth, something's going to happen. We're going to begin worshiping something else. And we see that in our society today, don't we? It helps us to understand our society. Why does our, why does our society so worship animals? Why does our society so worship immorality? Because, you see, if we refuse to worship God... We were made to worship. We're going to find something to worship. And so Paul, when he makes this statement, he says, I want you to understand when I pray for this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father. You see who he's chosen to bow to? He's going to bow to God the Father. Who are you going to be dependent on? Well, it depends on who your father is. Who you choose to make your God, who your father is, will depend on who will be the one to whom you're dependent So we look at this and we say, he says, I will bow my knee to the Father. It is Christ who makes us spiritually alive. We are the Father's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. We are no longer strangers and aliens. We are built into the body. God's power is in us. And that's the reason why he says, I'm going to... Submit to the Father. Now, here's something that's interesting. You know, he says, I bow the knee. So, does that mean when you pray, you need to always be on your knees? And obviously, the scriptures, he's talking about an attitude here. He's not talking about that this is the way it has to be because we know Abraham, when he was talking with God, he stood. David in Chronicles, when he talked with God, the Bible says he was seated. Jesus Christ, when he prayed, he was on his face in the garden. 
So we're not trying to set up a doctrine of when you pray, this is what you have to do. We use Scripture to compare Scripture, and that brings us to an understanding of what he's telling us here. He says, it's an attitude, it's, what he's describing is an attitude of submission, but he says, for this cause, I bow my knee to the Father. Now, why did he use the term Father? Was he trying to tell us about the universal fatherhood of all people? No. In John, Jesus said, ye are of your father the devil. You see, the father that he's talking about is the father to those who have by faith received Jesus Christ and become part of God's children, part of God's family. Now, here's something for us to think about. At the very beginning, we talked about Ephesians, was written to the Ephesian believers, but in all likelihood, it probably was called a, it's a cyclical, uh, an encyclical letter, which means it would go to the Ephesian people and it would go from church to church to church. So what does this tell us? It would tell us that there are lots of local churches which means all those local churches are connected, and what do we have? We have a universal church. That's talking about the universal church is every believer who has received Jesus Christ as their Savior. They're all part of this group. It wasn't where they happened to be worshiping. It was the fact that they are all there. And that's the reason why he says, for this cause I bow my knee to the Father. Everyone who's received Christ as their Savior would be part of that group. Now he goes on, and look what he says. Um, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Again, what does this tell us? He's talking about saints that have already died and are in heaven and saints that are still here on earth. So you have this whole group of people that are part of the body, part of the church. So you have a universal church, but you also have local churches. And that's been described in chapter 1, and in verse 18, again, we're going to come back, and you'll see it seems he's talking about all saints, and he's, so he's talking about every believer, which would be more than just a local church. It's all those that have trusted Christ as their Savior. He's not talking about angels that are in heaven, because he's talking about those um, that have the Lord Jesus Christ, that are named of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, he says, why are we dependent? Because we're on earth. Verse 15. Of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. I was reading an interesting book this past week on... Actually, my history professor when I was in college, which is kind of interesting to read a history on a history professor. But his last name was Panosian. And he used to always laugh and say, the emphasis is on the longest thing on my body. He had a big nose. He would say Panosian. But in actuality, I-A-N means the son of. And so he was... Uh, Armenian, not to be confused with Armenian, okay, that's a doctrine, we're not dealing with that. He was Armenian, and 
So it was son of Pano. Panosian. Panosian. So it was son of Pano. What are we usually called? Christians. One connected to Christ. And what he's describing here for us is he says, I'm praying that you would remember who your father is. I know who my father is. Maybe you do, and maybe you're forgetting who your father is. Because this father is the father of all things. He's creator. He is unlimited in wealth. That's going to be really important for us as we as we look at the practical applications in chapter 4. Because we're going to hit some walls and you're going to say, that's not possible. And that's why Paul says, I pray that you'll understand the doctrine and I'm praying that you would practice this doctrine. Paul, beginning now in verse 16, says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. You know that phrase there, according to the riches of his glory? If, if a billionaire walks into the room, I don't, I don't know a billionaire personally, but if I did, if a billionaire walked into the room and he gave me $100, I would be grateful, but I wouldn't really think that it means a whole lot to him. Would you agree? I mean, a billion dollars is like pennies that some of us pick up and others of us don't pick up when we step by, okay? Now, but if a billionaire walked in and he gave me something according to his riches, what does that mean? He gave me something that is reflective of how rich he really is. Now we're not talking $100, are we? Uh-uh. Now we're talking a million? A couple million? That would be reflective. If you were thinking a billionaire is going to give you a gift, you would say it's probably going to be a pretty good gift. Notice what Paul says. I'm praying that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. Now, he's not trying to twist God's arm. He's trying to get them to understand how great the riches of God are that you can access. He's saying, I'm praying that you would understand the incredible, incredible wealth of our God that you have access to now, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. The second thing he wants you to recognize is, remember your father. Remember who he is. Remember the Holy Spirit. Remember, you are strengthened by the Holy Spirit. You're strengthened by God who lives in you. Paul was concerned about their physical health. In fact, we know that Paul had the ability to heal some. Paul was concerned about those who were destitute. Remember, he brought a gift from other churches to help people in their need. But Paul focused 
on the inner man. Paul focused on the inner man because he knew, in fact, he wrote about that. He says, you know, though the outward man is perishing, he knows that our bodies, until, until Jesus comes and glorifies our bodies, we live in dying bodies. Now, depending on a person's age, we don't think about that. We say, wow, what a beautiful person. And then as they get older, we say, well, kind of picking up some wrinkles, got some crow's feet. And then you get a little bit older and you're going, you know, you're not doing so bad for your age. And then you get a little bit older and you're going, can I help you? <laughs> Why? Because the outward man is perishing. But Paul, though he talked about that, what did he really want them to understand? The inner man. You see, you've all got an inner, inner person. And Paul is saying, I'm praying that you would remember the strength the might that you have by the Spirit, by His Spirit. Notice it's not your spirit. See, these two thoughts of God would bless you according to the kind of wealth He has and that God would strengthen you based on His Spirit. Here's what I want you to notice today. He says... You, are, you have enough. There's no problem you're going to run into where you're not going to have enough. And you know the thing that is so exciting for me, you know, you say, I, I can't believe you gave your son a credit card. Well, it's because we already had a relationship. He knows how to use that credit card. And I've never asked him this, but I don't think when he pulls it out, he ever stops and thinks, I wonder if this card's going to be accepted. Because he just knows my dad is the one behind that. Now, here's what I want you to see. That's, it's a poor illustration of the fact God expects us to operate based on what we know about our God and based on what we know about the Holy Spirit. 